Thanks for listening to the Highlands Highfields message podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. It's awesome to be here tonight um, speaking on a bit of a relationship series we're doing. I know in October, it's not February, Ah, but I think it's great. I think it's good to talk about uh, our our relationships and how we can do these things uh, better because God has given them to us and we should do these things good. But uh, speaking of relationships, um, I've been away the last two weeks, so I missed out on some news. Uh, Mercedes and Matt uh, got a bit of a ring on it, got engaged. Can we celebrate uh, two of our young adults making an awesome decision? I know Matt's hiding at the desk. Mercedes is probably cowering under her seat. Nah, there she is. I can see the, the lights refracting off her ring everywhere. <laughs> nah, it's, hey, awesome for you guys. That is so cool. Uh, they're some great young adults in our church who help out from kids to youth to production, just to wherever. And uh, you guys are incredible. Thank you for all you're doing. Keen to be part of the celebrations. All that is happening. Uh, something I wanted to speak into this series, just this idea, really. Just, just, just first off. Just first off, I really believe, and this is something for all of us, that when we go out of our normal schedule, when we go out of what is normal and routine and you put God first, I can guarantee you, and this is biblical, this is every story you've ever read, uh, read in the Bible, every testimony video that you've ever heard or story shared, is that when you put God first uh, outside of your normal schedule, God will bless you. God will reward you for taking a step of faith, for going out of what is comfortable, out of what is routine. When we do that, God blesses that. God rewards that. And, you know, even stuff like coming to church on Sunday, taking that time out of your life, God blesses that. God rewards that. Coming regularly, God rewards that. Going to things like prayer meetings, God rewards that. Taking time out of your week to value small group and sowing to others, God rewards that. And time and time again, we see that when we take that step out of, well, I could be doing this, but instead I'll do this. Hey, I just want to encourage you tonight that God rewards that. And you know, as we, uh, Andre was sharing that video before about red frogs and taking the time, it really is a sacrifice. It sort of hit me there. I've never thought about it like that before, but it is a sacrifice. And I know that, hey, if you're going to red frogs, you're, you're, you're some of the team that are helping out and discipling our uni students, and you're going to take the time to go to the coast. God is going to reward you. God is going to bless you, not just physically, but spiritually. And I think that is the biggest thing, that, that God rewards us spiritually, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, our, our youth group went to a camp uh, in Brizzy where they spent four days, they sacrificed of their holidays of, I don't know, eating Cheetos and playing Xbox, uh, to, to, to press into God, to, to hear messages, to be in worship, and God rewarded them for that. We saw uh, kids encountering God's presence for the first time. People taking steps in their faith. One, one person I heard the story said, hey, that was the first time I've ever prayed out loud before. That's so cool. We, we saw kids uh, getting together, praying for their school and friends, people getting filled with the Holy Spirit, seeing miracles. Uh, we, see, we saw four people get baptized. How awesome is that? The, the step of faith they took there. And, and, and why I want to share that is because simply that is there's a group of kids who instead of staying home and watching Netflix, took some time out of their life and God rewarded them for it. He blessed them for it. 
So I'm a big advocate for things like camps and conferences and prayer meetings and grow nights and small groups and coming to church because God rewards these things. Proverbs 13, it says this. I love this one because it uses the word sluggard. I don't use it enough in my daily dialect. I need to drop it in there. The appetite of the sluggard craves but has nothing. But the appetite of the diligent is amply satisfied. Come on, what's your appetite? Are you hungry? Church, are you hungry for God? Are you hungry for miracles? Are you hungry for, for God to do things in your life? We're praising Him. Are we, are we expecting? Are we expecting that when we call on the name of Jesus that something's going to change, that something's going to shift? Come on, what's your appetite like? Even Jesus Himself in Matthew said, and this is one we all know, seek first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Come on, God rewards our actions. God rewards your actions. When you take time out of the normal, you step into going, oh, well, this is for him. Hey, he's going to bless that. He's going to reward that. Amen. When we look to our relationships, our friendships, our, our loved ones, man, I don't want to do that without God. Like they're hard enough as it is, right? Like I've only got like three friends. <laughs> like that's tough, like keeping all those things together, right? Like these things take out like family, family, right? in-laws. Huh? There's a lot of things going on. Like I'd rather not have to do all those things on my own. I want God's help. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you're all killing and your family's like keeping up with the Kardashians or something. But I, I think we should want God's help in these things. We should want God to bless our relationships. Now, I, I believe very truly that our relationships are from God. They're not just a side product or a side piece that help us or this is a nice little bonus in life. But I believe that uh, first off, we are in people's lives for a reason. You are in people's lives for a reason. It is not by chance that you work with those colleagues. It is not by, I guess, biology that you're in that family. No, no, God has put you there for a reason. But I also believe that uh, people are in our lives for a reason. That we need people to bless us. We need friends to strengthen us. That they are there. God has called them to help us. I don't know if you guys were here this morning, uh, Murray, our Highfields pastor, uh, shared an excerpt uh, of uh, Moses when he was instructed in this battle to, to do something and he had two friends by his side. It is so important to have friends alongside us as well. So whether we are the friends to bless others, whether they are the friends to bless us, these are things we should be going, hey God, how do I do this better? God, am I actually following your will for my life? Have you ever thought about that? God, uh, are my friendships part of your plan for my life? Is the way I'm being in my family aligned with your will? Or is it outside of it? Have you ever thought about it? Have you ever thought that this is actually part of your ministry, part of what God has called you to do? So that's why I want to speak a little bit on that tonight, on relationships, friendships, marriages, partners, whatever, wherever you sit in all of these things, uh, how we can make sure that we're doing these things the way God intended. Because when we do that, hey, you're going to see blessing from God. You're going to see reward from God. Because when we do things the way He intended, surprise, turns out it works. Crazy, right? So I've gone through enough friendship dramas before. I'm sure you guys all have. Enough relationship issues, enough tense family dinners where no one really wants to talk because, uh-oh. <laughs> Come on, we've got to see, what is, how does God want us to do this? 
So the way I want to want to do this is I, I want to talk about a little lie, a little lie that I believe has crept into our society that has made relationships harder. You know, Jesus tells us that we are to be in the world, not of the world, right? Like we don't do things the way the world does. No, but we are here, but we shouldn't just live by those standards. And I think we get caught up in that a lot by things, things we see the world tells us about relationships, the way we should be, the way we should behave, right? And I, I think if we're not careful, well, I know if we're not careful, we can get crept up and go, well, that's the normal. That's the way it is. And as believers of God, as people who have been given instruction as to how to live, people who have been given an example of who to follow, which is Jesus, I think we've got to take stock sometimes and go, hold on, where did I get that from? Where have I been following that advice, that thought, that justification from? Was that from Jesus or, uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, or is it Jesus adjacent? I believe the world has many of these Jesus adjacent truths where it sounds holy, it sounds spiritual, it sounds right, it sounds good, but if we really look at it, it's just adjacent to what Jesus says. It's not actually the truth. It's not actually going to help us. It's not actually how we're meant to be living. It's adjacent to Jesus. Because the world is always going to offer us a pale reflection of the truth of God. And it's sort of this when it comes to relationships. And it's sort of this statement that's on the screen. It's not you, it's me. Right? Classic. Now, I don't know if this will hurt some people or make some, I don't know, awkward conversations, but who's, who's said that statement to someone before? Hey, it's not you, it's me. Anyone brave to admit it? No? Nah. Hey, let's just catch up for coffee, we need to talk. No? Hey, it's not you, it's me. I'm moving away from like Glenvale to South Toowoomba. <laughs> no? Who, who's had that said to them? Oh, you guys are so shy. Oh, surely someone said it before. Josh, no? Nah, Brooke, no? Okay, good, good, just checking. Good, good. <laughs> right? It's out. It hurts, isn't it? Right? Like, that wouldn't be great to have someone say that to you. But, you know, it's funny that, again, that, that idea of, hey, it's not you, it's me. It sounds noble, doesn't it? You know, like, hey, I'm accepting the blame. It's not you. It's not your weird habits. It's not the fact that you're just physically unattractive. No, no, it's me. Right? It sounds noble where it's like, I'm taking the blame. I'm taking the ownership. But again, this is, a, this is a bit of a Jesus-adjacent truth, because we're not really. It sounds good at face value, but when you think about it, it's a bit of a nothing statement. It's really laziness masked in self-care. Again, where it's my fault, it's on me, but I'm not willing to do anything about it. It's not you, it's me, and I'm not changing, so see you later. Right? It's not really good, isn't it? Like, imagine if you use it in any of your other relationships, right? Like imagine one, imagine one. Imagine you, you sit down, the boss on Tuesday, right? And goes like, hey, Juan, you're, you're a great employee. You're doing fantastic at your job. I love having you here, but I just got to work on me for a bit right now. You know, I've got to focus on some self-care. It's not you, it's me. So just pack up your desk and uh, leave by the end of the day, please. <laughs> Man, that would be rough. I don't think it works like that. Parents, imagine your kids coming to you. Going, Mom, Dad, thank you for the support and care you're giving me. You know, you, you guys are great. You're awesome. We've had some good times, right? Mom, Dad, oh, awesome. But you know, I, I just can't do the dishes this week. It's just not in me. It's not you guys. You guys are great. It's me. I just can't help out around the house. I'm sorry. You know, I just gotta, I, I'm going to work on me for a bit. I'm going to go to I don't know, Beijing for a bit. 
find myself, come back, maybe I'll help. <laughs> no, there's going to be a problem there soon, right there. <laughs> Don't try that one. But you know, it's sort of a tell, isn't it? Even let's put it, let's compare it to the relationship that matters the most, God. Like, hey, God, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I haven't been going to church lately. It's not you. No, you're great, God. You're fantastic, Jesus. It's just me. I've got to, I've got to work on some stuff myself first. You know, God, I'm sorry I haven't been uh, honoring you with my sacrifice and my tithe. You know, it's not you. You're fantastic. No, God, trust. No, no, Jesus, stop. Don't blame yourself. Because God's going, yeah, of course it's not me. It is you. <laughs> Absolutely it's you. <laughs> right? It doesn't work. See, in saying all that, yes, we're saying the truth, but we aren't doing anything about it. There's no action. There's no change. And I don't believe that is how we should live. You know, I'm... I don't want to get to heaven one day and tell God that I had no friends to invest in because I didn't feel like changing, right? I don't want to stand before Christ and say, well, my family isn't here because I didn't push myself, because I didn't try and change, because I didn't try and take a step out of the comfortable into something uncomfortable. I don't want to have that conversation. I'd much rather hear from Jesus and say that statement, well done, good and faithful servant, and to be good and to be faithful, we, we sometimes we can't just go what we feel like and what is comfortable. There's got to be that step into the unknown. There's got to be that step into intentionality, into, yeah, there are some things I need to change, so I'm going to work on it. So I'm going to do it. And that goes exactly for our friendships, for the people around us. It's not, hey, it's not you, it's me. No, no, it's true, but I'm actually going to do something about it. Now we look at our relationship with God where he became man, paid the price for our sins in Jesus, right? He changed. I think we should emulate a little bit of that, hey, going, maybe there is some change I need to do. Maybe there are some things I need to remove from my life. So I want to look at uh, a statement from Paul in the Bible. Uh, one of his final encouragements to Timothy, another uh, pastor or church person, um, that I believe is, is, is ringing for all of us. It's something that we need to hear. So 2 Timothy 4, it goes like this. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Come on, tell people about Jesus. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They're going to get distracted by these Jesus-adjacent truths. They'll follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching is want to hear. They'll reject truth and chase myth. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid, or suffer, or don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. And this is the part I want us to catch on to, that should be an example for us. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Time of my death is near. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've remained faithful. Now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me the day of his return. The prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. How good is that? That is a prize for us as well. But we've got to have that attitude of running that race. Of, you know, I did not waver. I did not stop. It's not about reaching the destination. But Paul knew that this was a journey for life. Paul knew this was a daily decision when it comes to relationships, friendships, people around him going, hey, I'm, I'm leading people to Jesus and I ran that race. 
I did not stop. I did not go, oh, it's not you, it's me. I'm just going to sit out of this one. But he took ownership on himself. And I believe we need to run that race of ownership. Going, you know what? I am going to own this. So I've sort of split this up into two parts, two truths that we need to apply to our lives. If you want to see your relationships become fruitful, you want to see your own life become fruitful, you want to see God do great things in your life, you want to be rewarded for what you're doing, you want to see God's blessing over your life. These are two truths that you can start to live out and you're going to see it happen. But this is stuff we have to do. This isn't going to be an easy message. This is something that requires some action. But number one, it's that first part. It's not you. Come on, church, we've got to start moving away from blaming others. Who loves blaming others? Oh, how good is it, right? Trick point. No, good. But it's true, isn't it? Right? It's so easy to put the fault on other people. It's so easy to, to look at all the excuses and reasons that weren't us, right? Like, oh, no, they're just such a draining person. That's why I cut the friendship off. No, they're so needy. They're so harsh. Oh, well, they never said sorry 10 years ago when blah, blah, blah happens, right? We've all got those stories. And maybe I'm sort of making a bit, making light of it, but maybe you've gone through some heavier stuff with with people that has caused offense, that has caused hurt, that it genuinely is their fault. Hey, I believe we should still have that attitude of it's not you, right? We don't blame others. I think when we can't minimize the pain in our life, right? If if there's no way to go, okay, you know what? It's not actually that big. If it genuinely is a big deal, if it genuinely is causing you hurt when you look at someone or hear something or you're around people or something like that, let me give you a tip. If you can't minimize your pain, you need to maximize your savior. If you can't minimize the pain of what what you've gone through, you need to maximize your Savior. And remember, hold on, what has Jesus done for me? What has God done for me? Because as much and as great as your hurt might be and your grievance towards that that person, that people, that that situation, that family member, the history, whatever it is, hey, I can tell you that what Jesus has done for you is so much greater, is so much more powerful. Look at 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, uh, we all uh, with unveiled faces, so completely clean, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into that same image. Come on, we are meant to become like Christ. So when we minimize, uh, sorry, when when we can't minimize our problems, we maximize our Savior. We're looking towards Jesus going, how did you deal with people? How did you forgive people? How did you love people? Really, it comes to, how did you love me? How did you forgive people? me. And man, if we think about it, it's, oh, time and time and time again. And oh, yeah, that was a pretty big one, but you still loved me. Geez, that was a pretty big one, but you still forgave me. Geez, I was, I was really off the rails then. You died for me. Come on, because that is who Jesus is. And that is who we are told to be like. So if your problems are, are something that you can't seem to get past and you've been trying, I encourage you to find some people to talk about it with, to not just leave it to yourself. But man, make sure you put Jesus up the top again. Make sure just look back, just spend time being thankful as to what he has done for you. Romans 5 puts it, man, so perfectly. Christ died for, Christ died for you while you were still weak. You were living against God. But at the right time, Christ died for you. Very few people will die to save the life of someone else, although perhaps for a good man, someone might possibly die. But Christ died for you 
while you were yet a sinner. Some translations say while we were enemies of Christ. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, his picture of you wasn't the perfect you in church, raising your hands, tithing 40%. No, no, no. His picture of you is while you were an enemy of Christ, right? At your furthest point, when you're so far away from God's will, so far away from God's plan, so far away from the image he has of you that he created you to be. That's the point where he said, I will die for them. They, that, it is so worth it. Yes, they deserve it. Yes, they need it. Come on, that is God's heart for you. And then in the face of what you've gone through, that's where it's time to start looking again to Jesus going, well, if you could do that for me, if you constantly do that for me time and time again, Jesus, help me work on it. Because, you know, you can, you can ask for faith. I think that's something we forget. We can ask for faith. If you, if you can't believe it, if you, you don't have the patience for it, hey, don't just try and push through and develop it like some, I don't know, personal development points at work. Hey, ask God for the faith. Sona mentioned in a prayer moment, a, a moment of Jesus casting a demon out of a boy. And it's this story where this father brought his, his son to Jesus and the disciples to be healed and this demon cast out because this kid was just not having a great time. And after prayer wasn't working with the disciples, Jesus came over and he asked the father saying, hey, do you believe that I can do this? It seems a bit silly, but what I love is the, 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 the step of faith the, the father took when he went to Jesus and saying, hey, I don't believe. Help my unbelief. I think sometimes we forget that's a prayer we can pray. God, help my unbelief. God, I can't forgive that person. Help me. Give me the faith to do it. Give me the faith to believe that you can transform, change me. Maybe you feel like you're too messed up on the inside. There's no way I can work through these character flaws. There's no way I can change who I am. There's no way I can forget the generational trauma I've gone through. Don't forget who you're praying to. Don't forget who is willing to give you all of heaven. Come on, ask that prayer saying, give me faith, God. Holy Spirit, you can do it. Come on, don't neglect God in it. Anyway, that's just a side point. Now I've lost where I'm going. So. But it was a good point, I think. Come on, we can't forget that in all of this, God was motivated by love. I think that's really important. That when God died for us, it's because he loved us, because he loved you. And he's powerful enough to do that. And I'm reminded of this statement that when we look at power, because when we hold forgiveness over someone, the, you know, the ability to say, hey, I forgive you for what you've done or how hey, I'm going to let go of this hurt that I've experienced from you before, we hold a lot of power, right? And I'm reminded that love without power is weak, right? Love without power is weak, but power without love is dangerous. Power without love is dangerous. Power over relationships without love is dangerous. I don't know what things spring to mind when I say that, but you can think of some not great people or relationships or situations where that's the common case. And it comes for us going, okay, well, how do I make sure I'm motivated by love? That I don't just want to lord this over someone. We're going, just as Christ freely gave forgiveness for me, I've got to be motivated by that same love as well. It's not that it's going to be easy, but again, we, we get God to give us that, that help to be transformed into his image. I'm reminded of another Jesus-adjacent truth that is not true. 
Right? It's a statement. You've probably seen it on Pinterest or in your auntie's house, Comic Sans or something on the wall. God won't give you what you can't handle. Right? Maybe there's a storm in the background or a kitten hanging on a something. I don't know. Whatever. Right? God won't give you what you can't handle. Rubbish. Right? Who's experienced something more they can handle just this week, today? Right? It's not that God won't give you what you can't handle. I don't believe that is true at all. What I do believe is that God won't give you what you won't use. 100%. God won't give you what you won't use. We can't sit there being like, God, I want the, the ability to love and to forgive. But if we never do anything with it, I don't think we're going to experience that power. I don't think we're ever going to experience that ability to do that if we never actually take a step of faith or obedience into it. Because we ask God, oh, God, give me a heart to forgive. And he says, okay, well, go and do it, and you're going to find it. You know, think of it like this. I don't know, Peter, right, disciple, he walked on the water, right? It's a great moment, a great Bible story we've all heard about before. Like, when, when did he have the ability to step on the water? Right? When he stepped on the water. Whoa, deep, right? But it's true, like he wasn't on the boat going, all right, how do I test this thing out? Is there a bucket I can just like balance on for a bit? Or is there, can I, can I dip my toe in? Can I balance? No, not really. No, no, just, he, Jesus said, hey, yep, walk on the water, come out to me. And he went and did it. Turns out he could do it. In the same thing, we can't just sit there and say, oh God, change everything, fix everything, do everything. When he says, okay, I'm giving you the ability to do that, but to be transformed into his image, to be compelled by love, to see this change take place, it takes a step of faith. Come on, it's going to take a step of going out of your comfortable, out of your normal, going, God, I need you. I'm going to be in a situation where I need you. And that's the second part of this is, it's me, right? Now we take ownership, right? We've stopped blaming others. We're going to try and be more like Christ and forgive and be motivated by love and maximize Him as our Savior. It's not you anymore. All right, you're not the problem. I've got enough to work on. It's me. Come on, the ball's in our court. What are we going to do about it? It's on us now. Let's take on ownership. You know, Jesus was kind enough to, to see us in our own mess, again, and not leave us there. So we should not do the same. I think we're far too happy to, to sit in our own mess and go, well, I deserve it. Well, this is the way it is. No, come on, just like Jesus didn't leave us, he helped us, picked us up, lifted us out of the miry clay, take, just took us out. We should so do the same. We see the mess, now deal with it, let's do something. Now, if I look at the, the image that Jesus paints about the kingdom of God, right, the, the world we should live in, again, it's another Jesus-adjacent truth. We all think of images of gold, ro uh, gold roads, uh, white robes, floating with the angels, sitting on clouds, like, ah, oh, so relaxing, right? I, I don't think that's true at all. If I look at the Bible, I look at the examples that Jesus himself painted about the kingdom of God. It's about work. It's about steps of faith. It's about going out. Come on, it's the parable of the farmer, parable of the seed sower. The parable of the talents um, is a story about investments and if someone was lazy and they lost what was given to them and they were cast out. Come on, God doesn't like laziness, but it's all about work. Come on, if you want to see life change, 
If you want to see your relationships different, if you're sick of the hand you've been dealt and what's been happening in your friendships, your families, your relationships, maybe some things that seem like a cycle. I feel like God's saying now is the time to break the cycle. Now is the time to break the cycle. You don't need different friends. You don't need to move towns. Man, the amount of people I know that move to deal with their problems. Turns out your problems follow you. It's time to break that cycle and go, Jesus, something needs to change and it's going to start with me. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to own up to my mistakes. I'm not waiting for others to apologize. No, 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 I seek humility. I'm not waiting for others to humble themselves and come to me. No, 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 I will do what I need to do. I don't want to live by the fruits of my old life anymore. No, 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 I'm living by the fruits of a new life, the fruits of a life with Jesus. And what, is, what does the Bible say that is? It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's so many things. Going, that is the fruit of a life with Jesus. So how can I get that? Because I want love in my relationships. I want peace with my families. I want joy. Come on, these are things we should desire. And I know we all do. Unless we wouldn't be seeking better relationships. We wouldn't be seeking different things. But come on, can I tell you, stop chasing. Stop chasing. Stop looking for it in other places. Come on. God is calling you. He's saying, man, I've given you the tools to do this. I've given you the tools to overcome these things. I've set this up for you. I just need you to take a step of faith. I want you to take a step of faith. When we take that step, let's say at the very start, God rewards it. God will reward you. Come on, what's that first step you can take? What's that first step you can take? That way that you can start living. Come on, just daily. Going, it's not you, it's me. It's not you, I'm not going to blame anymore. It's not you, I'm not going to look for reasons why it was you. I'm going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to spend every day reminding myself of how much God loves me. I guarantee you, you're going to see transformation on the inside. It's not you, it's me. Take on that ownership. Start to go, all right, what can I work on? I am a little bit selfish. All right, Jesus, give me the faith. Help me to be less selfish. Jesus, help me to see what you see. Help me to love like you love. Help me to be more like you. These are just little things we can do. And that's why we're talking about it in October, not February, when it's Valentine's Day and love hearts. Because this is something we can always be working on. Like Paul said, I ran the race. Come on, we are in a race, church. Your friendships don't just reset every year. You can start working on them now. You can be invested into them now. And come on, how great would it be in five years' time to be surrounded by friends that care for you? People that speak life into you, that encourage your faith. How great would it be to that issue in your family be resolved? How cool would that be? Do you trust it with God? Do you involve God in that? Because He's got a will for you. He's got a plan for you. I mean, I just want to encourage you to chase it. So I don't like what the world offers. I'm sure you don't either when it comes to relationships and friendships. Let's be reminded that we are given a better example, a better picture of what is on offer. Jesus is saying, hey, it's open. Say, so I stand at the door and knock of our hearts. He's not forcing his way in. He's not going to fairy dust over everything. He's saying, I've put you there for a reason for those friends. Come on, it's time to change. I put those friends in your life for a reason. Start to let them in. Let's take a step of faith. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's spend some time with God when we close our eyes. Come on, start to think about those friendships. Start to think about those issues, those hurts, those grievances that maybe you've 
bird up in there for a while. God, I pray right now that, Lord, as we look at our pain, as we look at the hurt, we look at the things that has happened in our lives, God, I, I pray that you are maximized, that you are highlighted, what you did for us, how you loved us, how you forgave us. Lord, you died for us not when things were forgiven, not when we came crawling to you for forgiveness. No, you did that on the cross well and truly before that. So God, I pray just for a healing right now of the people that have those experiences. God, they let your love just radiate. Come on, let us be people known that are motivated by love. Motivated by love. Well, we don't wait for them to make the first move anymore. We don't wait for them to change, them to reach out. No, no. We go first because you went first. Come on, God, I thank you that you are calling us, Lord, to be Lord, in your image. And I thank you that it's not something to do alone, that it's a hard thing that we press and strive for. No, no, Jesus. You've given us your Holy Spirit. You've given us a relationship with you. That you choose to be by our side, helping us through this. That you are the God that gives us more, exceedingly and abundantly more. So God, we pray that where we need transformation, God, where things, it is just too hard for me to do on my own. God, thank you that you are there. And right now we ask, God, help me. God, help me. Help my unbelief. Change me, Jesus. Because you can do that. That is what you do. Well, you're a miracle worker. Thank you, Jesus. Just in this moment, if you feel your life is off track, it's not definitely not lined up with what you feel God's plan is, what you know God's will for your life is. Come on, now is the moment to take that step of faith out of the comfortable. Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm, I'm, I want you in my life. I want your help. On this is the moment where you ask. He's standing there, but we need to ask. And if you want your life to be corrected, to come alongside what Jesus wants for you, what Jesus has for you, that blessing, that plan, come on, that safety, whether it's over your relationships, man, just your whole life. Don't just sit back and wait for Jesus to, to sneak His way in. Invite Him in saying, I need you, Jesus. So in a moment of faith, in a moment of privacy, but a moment of stepping out, I'd love you to raise your hand saying, Jesus, I need you. Not to me, but as if you're reaching out to God saying, Jesus, I need you. God, I want what you have for my life. I want to be the person you created me to be. Come on, if there's anyone here that needs to make that decision, come on, don't miss this moment. Don't miss a moment of saying, Jesus, I need you. Come on, I see that hand. That's fantastic. Yeah. Come on, who else needs to say and get right with Jesus? Don't miss it. And well, God, I thank you so much that you are stirring in hearts tonight and people are coming towards you. And I thank you, God, for your promise that the old is gone, the new is here. We don't need to work our way through that. You can do it in an instant. So God, I pray right now is <clears throat> there's people that have made a decision saying, Jesus, I need to get my life right with you, that you meet them where they are, you pick them up, Lord, and you lead them, Lord, to a greater life. I thank you, God. Come on, stir in our hearts. Remind us of your goodness. We thank you, God, in your name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Highfields Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. 
If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.highfields on Facebook or Instagram or head to highlandschurch.org.au for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Highfields message podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.